Before we get started, I wanted to let you know about our monthly membership called the High Risers Club. Building upon the foundation of our program, Commercial Real Estate for Residential Realtors, the High Risers Club is designed to help members gain a more expansive knowledge of and confidence around the most important aspects of commercial real estate. Each month, we'll take a deep dive into one specific commercial real estate topic, and you can join me and my team live every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time to learn and answer your questions. To sign up, click the link in the show notes or go to coachjeffwright.com slash the High Risers Club. Hi, this is Coach Jeff Wright. And in my podcast, Commercial Real Estate for Residential Realtors, we will take a deep dive with industry experts into different aspects of commercial real estate. My ultimate goal is to give you the knowledge, confidence, and belief that you can transact commercial real estate at a high level, just like you do with residential real estate. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate for Residential Realtors podcast. I'm your guest host, Jeffrey Wright II, and this is another episode in our Ask Coach Jeff Wright series. Coach Jeff, here we go. So today we're gonna to talk about similarities and differences between commercial real estate and residential real estate. Let's start with things people are comfortable with, the similarities. So what are you looking at as, as some of the, the main similarities? I can point to one that people are interested in doing real estate. So. Perhaps you can take us from there. So the first similarity that I would say, and I'm talking about people that want to be great, people want to do great things overall. So the first similarity between commercial and residential, the most successful people have a desire to be great. They have a desire to do a great job to be highly successful in the business. Okay. And so what are those first steps that someone's taking towards becoming great? whether it is residential or commercial real estate. Yeah. So the first step, I think, uh, let's look at building a house. We build a house. Most important thing, one of the most important things early on is the foundation. So when I talk about foundation, I'm talking about for both commercial and residential to have a foundation of education and knowledge. So what I would say to folks is to be an A-plus student. That is similar whether you're residential, you want to be great, commercial, you want to be great. And be great, again, be a market leader, be successful financially for whatever those goals are. But the A-plus student part is early on building that foundation of knowledge. And in, and in becoming an A-plus student, that's what allows an agent, a realtor, to then become what you call a trusted advisor. Correct, correct. Because ultimately, I think for anybody in life, no matter what they do, it doesn't have to be real estate, to really build a relationship with someone else, there has to be a level of trust. And in the real estate space, whether it's residentially or commercially, those clients are making decision very early on whether they can trust us. And part of that, whether they can trust us, is the knowledge that we bring to the table, the confidence we have in explaining what's going on in the market, and the ability to advise them overall. That trusted advisor is critical. Great. And from a, a knowledge standpoint, what are some of those things that are similar 
between the two types of, of real estate. Like I would imagine that perhaps agency rules or agreements might be similar. Yes and no. So let's just take that. The agency rules and agreements, first and foremost, are going to be governed by the state that somebody works in. So where I'm most familiar, state of Connecticut, they're identical. The agency rules and agreements are similar. And what do I mean by agency rules and agreements? We're in a state that when you represent a buyer, you have to have a buyer agency agreement signed. When you represent a seller, you have to have a seller. So those fundamental agreements for a client to know who you represent and what you can and can't do in Connecticut are the same. In other states, it's not always the same. Not every state has the buyer agency agreements across the board. But that would be, depending where you are, that would be something similar if your state requires it to be similar. And within a given transaction itself, what are some of the bigger similarities we're looking at that people will will understand and recognize having worked in the residential yeah. space? Yes. Yeah. So great question. So I call those the contingencies. So in the residential world, somebody selling a property, depending what the market situation is, uh, meaning that during the pandemic time, there were some people that bought houses in a very competitive bid scenario and didn't have inspections done. But let's talk normal markets. In a normal market, both residential and commercial will have inspections done on a property. Part of it in commercial, it falls under what's called due diligence. They'll, they'll have physical due diligence, which will be physical inspection. The residential world, we just call it home inspections. We'll also have, in most scenarios, a financing contingency. And with that financing contingency in both residential and commercial, part of what gets done is an appraisal. And literally the lender will lend residentially or commercial based on the appraisal or the contract price, whichever is lower. So similar, same thing in residential or commercial across the board. And then the third common contingency that both of them have is I call it legal stuff around the title and making sure the title's good. So residentially and commercially, very similar in those aspects of the contingencies. Okay. I know it may vary from state to state, like you said, agency rules and agreements, but is are there the same requirements for licensing? Is that similar between the two? So in Connecticut, it's the exact same process. You do not need anything different to sell residential or commercial and whatever you're doing, you could do both in Connecticut. Some states, there is a requirement that there's, you have to have a, a separate license in some states for the commercial, but the great majority of the states in the United States, great majority of states in our country, um, that initial licensing allows you to do both. And now, one of the things that everyone likes to talk about is commission. And I know that we're going to talk about commission both here in similarities and in differences. So when is a commercial commission similar to a residential commission in terms of how it's calculated? Yeah. So, and again, a great question. So it's, it's 
similar when it you when you're selling a property when you're selling it not leasing when you're selling a property the way the commission is determined is a percentage typically of that sales price just like you would do residentially and just like with residential it's negotiated it's a negotiated agreement between that owner of the property and that real estate firm great now before we move on to differences is there anything that we didn't cover that perhaps you'd like to go over from a similarity perspective? No, I think that really highlights the differences. Um, the one comment that I, I make often is that there are a residential agent doesn't realize how many similarities there are to be successful. And that's part of the reason why I strongly believe that residential agents can be very success, successful in commercial real estate. Well, well, let's stay similar for a minute, but just go a little bit adjacent to what we're doing. If, if an agent is comfortable with the scripts they're using with residential buyers and sellers, are they going to be similar to the same types of scripts they're using? Obviously, the, the knowledge base is a little bit different, but are, are some of those things going to translate to what they're doing as well? Yeah, and, and I would take the word script and I would say the interactions with the human being, understanding what their pain points are or what they're trying to really accomplish or what their ultimate goals are, those things, if you do a good job in probing and going deeper and try to make sure you really understand why you're there, both with the residential and commercial, exact same kind of um, things to focus on. Right. And that leads us back to our trusted advisor and our education, our knowledge base. 100%. Great. 100%. Okay. So let's shift over to some of the, the major differences. Now, anybody who's been listening to the podcast up to this point or has looked at the course understands that the biggest difference between commercial real estate and residential real estate is in valuation valuing a property. So why don't we just give a couple of moments to that again, just to, to reemphasize sure. what we're looking at. Sure. So we know any of our residential realtors, if we took a poll right now and surveyed everybody listening as residential realtors, almost 100% would come back and say the way they value a residential property is based on a market analysis, based on what has sold overall. In the commercial world, they at times will do that, but that is not the primary way it's done. The primary way it's done is based on the in-place income and expenses for that property. In-place, not what someone thinks they can get for rents, but actually what is in-place. There's a formula we've talked about. Right, so let me pause you right there. So in-place, we're saying we've got a six-unit building and only four units are rented, that's what we're looking at as in place. We can't, we're not counting the two vacant that's, units. That's right. Okay. And when we look at any of the historical data, like because a lender will ask to give me typically two years of a P&L or income and expense on the property. So they're looking at what was in place in those two years. And they're looking at what's in place right now. Great. Next on our, our list is looking at, at financing. 
And so why don't you go ahead and, and take a, a, a minute or two just to, to explain to us the differences in, yeah. in that. Yeah. So the couple major differences, number one, from a financing standpoint, in the residential world, we typically will get a 30-year loan and it's got a 30-year amortization. So after 30 years, nobody can take that property away from us if we're making our payments. And after 30 years, rate hasn't changed. The rate's the same. In the commercial space, the term, the term is typically three years, five years, seven years, or 10 years. The term residential was 30 years that we just talked about. The amortization with commercial they do the amortization the same way. So an amortization is typically in the commercial world somewhere 25 years versus the 30. But the reason why they can't have a match the same, if you had a five-year term and a five-year amortization, it, the payment would be so much it wouldn't be affordable. So the first major difference is the term length. And the fact that at the three-year mark or the five-year mark or the seven-year mark, whatever that term is, Literally, the rate resets and the whole qualification process that someone went through, they have to go through again to make sure that everything is aligned from a financing standpoint. So major, major, major difference. And people that are not familiar with it from a financing standpoint, it's really a shock. Um, in the course, I cite for everybody an example of a property that I literally, in 2007, that I sold that property, put financing in place on it. And every five years, that rate resets based on what the current interest rates are out there. And there's a big swing. The swing in one year alone was a $4,000 difference in what that payment is. And the last comment I'll make about it is just think about where we are right now. And everyone knows that interest rates, or anybody that's following it, knows that interest rates have really climbed. And if we look back during that five year, if it was a five year term, we go backwards. When someone got an interest rate in 2018, 19, 20, it was dramatically lower than it is now. So at that five year mark, it resets based on what's going on in the market at that point in time. So the, that's the major difference with financing. Okay. And so with, with financing, is there a difference? Because in residential, down payments seem to vary greatly in terms of what people are allowed to do based on the product that they're, that they're applying for. Is, is that the same in commercial or is that different as well? Yeah, so great point. Great point. And I actually should have brought that up as a point because... In the commercial world, the down payment is significantly more. You will not find a 3% down or a 5% down or rarely with a government-based loan, you could have maybe with an SBA loan, it's called something less than a 20% down. But most of the commercial down payments, most of them are 25% down or greater based on the property type and based on what the economy is right then and there. There are some that are 20% down with apartments, but most of them are 25% down. So the down payment significantly more. And the other thing I just want to say with financing, it's very different between commercial and residential, is that the 
finance, the costs to get that loan are significantly more, the closing costs, which are primarily around the fact that the appraisal costs significantly more. If, you know, just in the last two years, the commercial appraisals that I've been involved in have been anywhere from $2,500 to $7,500 based on the complexity of the property. With residential, they've been on average So the third party cost, the cost that you have to put, you have to have for a commercial loan, you have the appraisal and you also have what are called some environmental costs. And even with a lawyer, the costs are different because the commercial deals are more complex, more involved overall. So just two more questions on the, the financing. When we're looking at interest rates, in commercial versus residential, are they really comparable or or are interest rates higher or lower in general for a commercial transaction than they are for residential? So the financing, I would say overall is comparable. I would say overall, it really, the commercial rates are, let's just say for right now, so they're overall, they're comparable for what's there. But the fact that they change so quickly is really meaning that they change at that three-year mark or the five-year mark is really the big deal overall. But the, the actual rates are very comparable overall. And with commercial and residential financing, are there prepayment penalties for commercial real estate? For If someone decides they're going to pay off they're like, I don't want to deal with the this next change. I'm just going to pay it off. Or is that just a free and clear type of situation? Yeah, yeah. So in commercial, if someone is going to pay it off, let's just say it's a five-year term and they're going to pay it off year one or year two or year three, unless someone is working with a credit union for their financing, there's almost always a prepayment penalty with commercial and depending how early in the loan it's higher. So something prepayment penalty after year one is higher than a prepayment penalty after year three or year four. And with residential, there's almost never a prepayment penalty. Okay, so moving on to to one of the other major, major differences. And I know this from having been on appointments with you and and listen to you talk with with buyers and sellers of homes. Um, talk about just the the emotion, the difference in emotion in residential sales versus commercial. Yeah. So another great point. So I would just say there's a world of difference in the residential because this is someone's home. This is where someone's going to raise their family. This is where they're going to live. Residentially, a residential transaction is dramatically more emotional than a commercial. The commercial is really typically based on, do the numbers work? If the numbers work, then the deal, it doesn't, they don't care about a color of a kitchen or a color of a back, bathroom or an orientation of a sun or any of those things. If the numbers work for the commercial, that's typically what it is. So residential is significantly more emotional. And so since it is so much based on the numbers and and mathematical analysis, are we looking at some of the same 
like I think about location as something that's tied to to a person's identity when they're with, with their home. You're looking at in residential, it's but if you're saying that it's just really about the numbers, does location then matter as much in commercial real estate? Yeah. So I typically say the location doesn't matter nearly as much overall. Someone may say to me, I'll literally go an hour away from my home, two hours, five hours, if I can find investment property that works the numbers. The exception to that in the commercial space is that if you're dealing with retail properties that need to be in high traffic locations at the corner of a four-way intersection with a light, then the location really is significant. It matters just like it does residentially. But for the most part, commercial is not as location-driven. Somebody would purchase something commercially that they would never live in that same neighborhood or location, um, again, if the numbers work overall. Right, right. And just to, to backtrack to a point a little earlier, when we we're talking about financing, you were explaining how just the costs, the contingencies, the third-party costs are so much greater in commercial real estate because it's a more complex transaction in, in most cases. Does that affect then the timeline? Because with with residential real estate, someone could show up with cash to a vacant property and move in in <laughs> very short order. It seems like there's going to be a perhaps a major difference in time. Yeah. So I, I say to everyone, a timeline with commercial is going to be longer. And based on the complexity of the deal, we'll determine how much longer it will be. And what do I mean by complexity? If somebody has a building that is 40,000 square feet and the inspections take significantly longer and it has multiple tenants with multiple leases and multiple things that have to be reviewed, it just takes longer. So it could be that it's 60 days longer, it could be it's 90 days longer, but a commercial transaction to get through all the phases takes longer, to get to the closing table typically takes longer across the board. Okay. And again, as anybody who's who's listened a little bit to the podcast or, or been a part of the, the course, um, why don't you talk about the difference in your ability to actually search for a property? Because that, as you and I both know, is a is a very big difference. Yeah, very big difference. So residentially, if you came to me today and just said, I'm looking in this town for a four bedroom, two and a half bath colonial, and I'm gonna be in this price range, I could go on my phone and I could instantly show you what's available. Commercially, if you said that to me, um, first of all, most MLSs will only have limited commercial property. So we don't have an MLS to go to. We have some free search services, like what's called LoopNet or Crexy, where you can go and search, but it's not in that search. It's only going to be if someone has chosen to pay for that, to put those properties on those services, or if somebody is a member of another co-star, it's called, where a co-star you are paying as a, as a realtor to to have access to all their data and everything that's there. So the bottom line is that the 
search process to find a commercial property is um, takes more time and sometimes more creativity than it does with residential. And it's primarily because they don't have the equivalent of a residential MLS where someone can instantly go and see all the properties available. Great. Great. Um, let's, let's take a moment to talk about turnover rate. Okay. What is it? How do you look at it in residential and commercial real estate? And why is there that big difference that, that we see? Yeah. So I, what I say about turnover rate is that residential, we can measure pre-pandemic, before the pandemic, when people weren't forced to be in their houses, there were property would turn over every seven years, eight years. Now it's a little bit longer, but in the commercial world, sometimes people buy those properties and they don't turn over. They become part of their portfolio. So that turnover rate overall with a commercial just typically is a longer period of time if you average how soon somebody will actually sell that property. So that's really the bigger difference is that people typically hold for a much longer period of time. Okay. And now back to everyone's favorite subject, money, commission. So we know that, that it's, it's absolutely similar when you're dealing with a sale. But a lot of what you're doing, a lot of what agents do in the commercial world are leases. So let's talk about the major difference in, in how we calculate a, a rental for a residential property and a lease for a commercial property. Yeah. So on the residential side, which most of our audience is familiar with, most people will be paid the equivalent of one month's rent. So if somebody was leasing something for $2,000 a month and they signed a 12-month lease, then the commission would be one month, $2,000 split between the listing side and, and the, um, the, the tenant, tenant side, side. Yeah, if, if that was the case. And however they decide to split it, but it'd be typically one month. On the commercial side, it's formula-driven. And the, the formula for commercial leases is they take whatever the length of the lease is, whatever that total rent is being paid during that length of lease. So if somebody was signing a five-year lease and they were paying $2,000 a month like they did in residential, $2,000 a month is $24,000 for one year but they get paid on the full lease. So if it's a five-year lease times the $24,000, they are getting paid on $120,000. And typically, and they're all negotiated, everything is negotiated in life, but you will hear people talk about that the leasing commission in year one through five is somewhere around 5%, could be 4%, could be 6%, somewhere around 5%. So when someone leases to someone signing a five-year lease, they're not getting paid $2,000 the one month. They're getting paid 5% is being paid of that five-year lease. So 5% of the $120,000, which is a lot more money than the $2,000 for that residential rental. And then a pro tip for our residential agents who get the opportunity to to list a, a property for for lease is not to put that one month, you know, commission 
up in, in if they're doing that way. It's one of the ways you typically talk about seeing someone who doesn't know the differences. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what I'll typically say is that if all of a sudden I see an office space that's one month's rent, I know that it's a residential realtor trying to do commercial real estate that hasn't familiarized himself, haven't learned, haven't become the A-plus student to understand how the commercial space works, commercial real estate overall. Great. Great. So I think this is a, a perfect place to stop for today. We've really gone into some of the, the major, major differences and the major similarities between commercial real estate and residential real estate. And the the biggest takeaway for for me is just the whole trusted advisor thing. And to become a trusted advisor, you need to be knowledgeable about the market. You need to know the language that you're speaking of. And, and I think it's just great that you're doing this kind of series where you're just continuing to educate residential agents on the commercial side so they can start to feel more and more comfortable as they go along. So before we wrap up or as we wrap up, is there anything else that that you'd like to share with this on this episode? Yeah, no, no, I did a great job with the questions. And, and my emphasis for everybody, the last comment I'd make is how do you build your confidence to know you can do this? You build your confidence by getting the knowledge, becoming an A-plus student. And the way I look at that for everybody is podcasts are part of it, the course is part of it, and the High Risers Club is the weekly training we do to help people know they can do this and put them in a position to be highly successful and yeah. commercial also. And that's a that's a great point. Why don't you just take a, a minute now just to, to talk about the High Risers Club and, and what it is that you're you're doing with that group. Yeah, so the High Risers Club is my look at how to build the confidence and knowledge to build that A-plus student. So what we're doing, and it's open to anyone, we're literally on a weekly basis, Tuesday, 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time from 12 to 1, we go through uh, typically monthly themes. So right now we're working with the buyer process. And previous month we worked on valuation, but we're taking people through real world, what they need to learn, the ability to ask questions. With it, High Risers Club, we've set up a Facebook group where they can literally, any time of the day, ask questions and get members of High Risers and our coaching group to be able to answer questions for them. And last part of it, it also has this mindset component because what I do believe is that most of us all can be successful in residential or commercial real estate if we believe we can, and if we know how to deal with any of the fears and the human dynamic stuff. So High Risers Club is to help people be highly successful in commercial real estate. Great. And two final questions about the High Risers Club. One, what's the cost? So the cost is $97 a month, and it's month to month. Um, and we actually let anyone take a free look, like right now right now that may change in the future but right now they can come and take a free look without having to commit okay and then the second question is where is someone going to be able to sign up for the high risers club yeah so all they've got to do is go to coachjeffwright.com and all the information is there um, about the high risers club about the course everything they need to know great 
All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this week's episode of the Commercial Real Estate for Residential Realtors podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Commercial Real Estate for Residential Realtors. As a reminder, please subscribe to this podcast to receive new episodes as soon as they are released. For more information on me, my team, and my educational programs, visit my website at www.coachjeffwright.com. Thank you for listening, and here's to your success.